Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. John chapter 3, which has the most famous Bible verse, uh, arguably around the world, which is John 3.16, and we'll read through that. But what's interesting and often gets overlooked in this passage because of John 3.16 is really the Old Testament background to this passage. Uh, While it's never mentioned, there are several texts from Ezekiel and one from Numbers that you really have to understand to get the context of this uh, chapter, chapter 3. And uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, Old Testament context. In Ezekiel, you talk about hearts of stone becoming hearts of flesh and uh, a valley full of dry bones coming back to life. And then in Numbers, there's these poisonous snakes that are sent to bite people. And so we'll get into all that. But just to say there's a whole lot more in this passage than just John 3.16, although John 3.16 is really important. And what we're going to get at when we look in this passage, our question for today, if you can put that up, is you don't know these things. You don't know these things, which Jesus says to Nicodemus. I'm going to pray for us, and during that, if Amani and Renard could come forward, they're going to read the scripture for us, and then we'll get into the text. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be present by your spirit, that you would renew And revive our hearts that those who don't know you might have spiritual eyes to see you this morning. Illuminate the text so that it changes us. And all God's people said, amen. Good morning, New City. Today we're going to be reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one 
who descended from the heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the man of, Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have an eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. The word of God. All of us want change in our lives, but sometimes the change that we bring into our lives actually gets us lost. There was a story I read about a tour group in Iceland. And this tour group was on a tour bus going to look at a volcanic canyon. And they stopped near the volcanic canyon and got off. Everyone on the tour bus got off and went to explore the canyon. And they spent several hours looking around and taking pictures and seeing the sights. And then one of the women from the tour group decided that she wanted to freshen up before she got back onto the bus. And so before getting back on the bus, she changed her clothes and then returned to the bus and got back on the bus. And everyone else got on the bus as well. But they sat there for a while because one person was missing. Someone had not come back to the bus. And the bus driver didn't want to leave without this one person who was still out there exploring the volcanic canyon somewhere. And so they waited one hour and then the bus driver got worried and called the police and said, we are missing one person. Uh, we need a search and rescue team. And so a search and rescue team came to the tour bus and would dis dis disperse through the canyon to go find this missing person. And they looked and they couldn't find this person until 3 a.m. hit and they realized that the missing person was the woman who had changed her clothes and had been sitting on the bus the whole time. Now... <laughs> The reason they didn't recognize her was because she didn't look like she had before. They weren't sure who they were looking for. And even when the woman heard the description of the person that they were looking for, she didn't recognize it as herself. The funny thing is she had actually joined the search and rescue party <laughs> in the volcanic canyon looking for herself, not realizing that she was looking for her. She had heard the description and it didn't sound like her nor did she know that she was missing. There's a lot of funny spiritual parallels in that story. There's a lot. I mean, one is sometimes we make changes in our life that seem to refresh us, but actually get us more spiritually lost. Uh, another one could be that we hear a description of ourselves from God's perspective, and we go, that doesn't sound right. He must be talking about someone else. Another one could be that sometimes doing good things, like joining in a search and rescue party, doing good things doesn't mean that we're actually found. We might still be lost spiritually. And another one could be we don't know that we're spiritually lost until we're found. Uh, but there's one that I think comes out of the story and relates 
to this text today, and it's this. Christianity isn't first a search by you, but rather Christianity is first a search for you. Christianity isn't first about a search by you, but rather a search for you. Most of us approach the Christian faith as if it's a small change that we need to kind of spiritually freshen up. But that is not Christianity at all. Christianity is a radical movement by God to bring you from spiritually lost to spiritually found. From dead to resurrected. Christianity is first and foremost about a search for you. It's not first a decision by you, but rather Christianity is something that happens to you and in you. It finds you, though, and when it finds you, it calls out to you and says this, believe. Believe. In our text for today, it starts off with a spiritual leader named Nicodemus. And he's searching in the dark. Uh, Nicodemus, we picture him sort of walking through the streets of Jerusalem at night when there's no hustle and bustle. There's no noise coming out of the homes. He's just sort of going through the streets of Jerusalem. And he's looking. He's looking for Jesus. He wants to talk to Jesus in the dark at night because he thinks that'll just be easier. No one will ask any questions. Because Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and as a member of the Pharisee, he is a religious leader who knows all the laws of Israel and whose job is to interpret and apply the spiritual laws of Israel to everybody else. And as a spiritual leader, it's not good for him to look like he has questions to the man who just ransacked the temple. Because not only is he a member of the Pharisees, but Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin the spiritual rulers who make decision and legislation for the rest of the people. In other words, Nicodemus seems to have it all together. He seems to have found spiritual life as a member of the Pharisees and as a member of the Sanhedrin, and yet here he is searching through the night for Jesus because he has questions that he does not have answers for. That's how we come to Nicodemus in verse 1 and 2. And in verse 2, It tells us that Nicodemus goes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. You remember the sign from last week, water into wine. Evidently, Nicodemus has seen these signs and goes, I see, Jesus, that you're from God because no one could do those type of things unless God were with them. That's a pretty nice thing to say to Jesus. But Jesus presses in, and rather than saying, I'm glad you see who I am, Jesus says this to Nicodemus, you can't see. You are spiritually blind. Look what he says in verse 3. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you know anything about Christians, you're familiar with that phrase, born again. And what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is, listen, God's kingdom is coming, and I know you want to be part of it, but guess what? You won't even be able to see it unless you have a spiritual rebirth. 
And Nicodemus then says, well, how can that happen? Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time after he is born? The Jewish people believed that the kingdom of God was going to break into the world. Rather than waiting to heaven, waiting to go to heaven when they die, they believed that the reign of heaven was going to break into the present age, that the rule of God was going to come and change everything, that God's love and mercy and justice and righteousness and salvation were going to invade the present. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you can't be part of it and you can't even see it unless you're born again. And Nicodemus is a little confused. Uh, he's a little confused because he's a Jewish leader. He's supposed to be leading people to God. I mean, all his job is in the temple area where God's presence is supposed to dwell. And so he's confused. I, I don't think he's confused um, because he misunderstands what Jesus is saying. Like, the phrase born again wasn't new in that time. It was said that people who were not Jews, who joined the Jewish faith, became like little children, like they were freshly born. So I don't think that he didn't have any idea about that phrase. Maybe, though, he felt a little uncomfortable that Jesus was implying something like that to him, who was a Jew and a leader of the Jews. And Jesus seems to imply with what he tells Nicodemus next that the, what he's about to say is basic God stuff. In other words, Nicodemus is a leader of the people, but he does not understand God 101. He knows the Bible, but somehow he missed Bible for beginners. Look what he says in 9 and 10. Whenever Jesus teaches him, he says, how can these things be? And Jesus asks that question, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Maybe for us, that's a good question for us, too. Because whatever Jesus tells Nicodemus, it is Christianity 101. If Nicodemus is supposed to know it as a leader of Israel, then you and I should know it as well. Maybe you're here today, and you'll be refreshed by what Jesus teaches about the Christian faith. Or, or maybe you're here today, and you say, I, I'm not a Christian, I'm on a spiritual journey. Well, this is Christianity 101. These are the basics that we would know these things. What is that? What are those things? Jesus is going to tell Nicodemus that deep spiritual change comes in our life, not as we first pursue God, but as God first pursues us. It doesn't come from us going, I found God, but rather us going, I'm lost, and God finding us, and the life of God breaking into our spiritually dead hearts. Look what Jesus says in verse 5 and 6. Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit. You can keep it there just for a minute. What Jesus is saying is that the movement of God is not primarily about people doing something for God, but rather the foundation of the movement of God is God doing something in people. And what that work is called is re Generation. Can you say regeneration? Your and my heart is naturally rebellious to God. 
the Bible says that you and I are dead in our sins. It's not that we're on life support. We are dead in our sins. And if there's any part of us that wants to naturally follow God, it's because we have picked and chosen the parts about God that we like and neglected the parts about God that we don't like because we're spiritually dead. And what Jesus is saying is you and I don't have the ability to produce a change in our hearts that awakens our hearts to God because our spiritual hearts are dead to God until our hearts are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes new life in the dead hearts and those people who were rebellious against God find themselves falling in love with God. Those people who wanted to run away from God and not listen to what he said all of a sudden want to surrender to God's commands. Rather than picking and choosing the parts about God that they want to follow, they find themselves wanting to submit to God as he is holy, holy, holy. Regeneration is spiritual CPR on a dead heart. Anybody know someone whose heart has stopped. If your heart stops, you don't, have the, the, you don't have the ability to get the paddles and put them on yourself and go clear and have yourself recharged and brought back to life. Jesus is saying that you and I are spiritually dead. And what that means for us as Christians is that the Christian faith doesn't start with your commitment to religion. The Christian faith starts with God's commitment to regeneration. It doesn't start with your decision to give your heart to God, but rather God's commitment to transform your and my dead hearts. And when that happens, when our hearts are regenerated, it changes everything. It changes everything. When the Holy Spirit of God breathes the life of God into your and my heart, it changes the way we think. It changes what we love. It changes our hopes. It changes what we think is good. It changes our deepest desires. It even changes how you and I evaluate our lives. And regeneration isn't really something that you and I can fully explain or completely understand. And it's certainly not something that you and I can produce in our own hearts because it's like the wind. It's like the wind. Jesus says that the work of the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Verse 7 and 8. Do not be amazed that I told you you must be born again. You must be regenerated. Because the wind, it blows where it pleases. And you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is first to regenerate dead hearts. And when the Spirit does that, it is like the wind. Uh, You see the effects of a regenerated heart, but you don't know quite where it came from or when it happened. Because with the wind, you don't see where it comes from. You can't manufacture it, nor can you direct the wind and say, blow from west to east. It won't listen. It does what it wants to do. The wind blows where it wants to, and we just see the effects as it goes through the trees. So it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. 
when the Holy Spirit of God breathes life into us and regenerates dead hearts, all of a sudden we are changed. We are born again. It is something that the Spirit does to me and you. And so Christianity is not just about turning over a new leaf. It's not about a fresh start. It's about transformed hearts. It's about spiritual blinders falling off and people completely changing because they are completely changed by the work of the Spirit. In other words, Christianity starts with regeneration, and regeneration is a spiritual miracle. And the only one who gets credit for it is the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is a spiritual miracle. A lot of people, though, don't want that kind of change in their life. Let me say this. All of you naturally do not want that change in your life. Uh, If you became a Christian, there was part of you that came kicking and screaming into the faith. Many people prefer religion over regeneration. And someone who's religious can be very devout, they can go to church, or they can say, I just want a little bit of God, but I don't want to be changed on the inside. Both of those are religion, neither of them are regeneration. Religion looks more like going to church but keeping God at a distance. Religion looks like agreeing with Jesus as long as you feel like Jesus agrees with you. Religion looks like hanging around Christians without any desire for God to transform you from the inside out. It's it's adopting the forms of faith without the power of the faith inside of you. And what the Bible says is that's religion. That's darkness. That means you're still spiritually dead. Look at what Jesus says in verse 19 through 20. This is the judgment. The light, and by the light he means himself, he means knowledge of God. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. When you were first exposed to Jesus and you found out about this thing called sin, your first reaction was not, yes, someone has exposed my actions as wrong and evil. Praise God, I love Jesus. No, you ran the other way because you loved the darkness and you didn't want to live your life according to God's commands and standards. You wanted to continue on your own path until The Holy Spirit came inside you, and the light bulb went on, which you did not turn on yourself. He did. He regenerated you, and your eyes were open so that you saw God differently. You saw Jesus differently. You saw your own life differently. You looked at the actions and patterns and lifestyle that you had used to think were okay and good, and you saw that they were violations of God's commands, and that you were living your life in an offensive way to God. And this weird thing happened to you. The things that you used to love all of a sudden deeply troubled you. But rather than keeping your life to yourself, you wanted to give your life to God. And you ask yourself, what in the world is happening to me? the spiritual miracle of regeneration. You were born again. Your spiritual blinders fell off. 
Your heart of stone was made into a heart of flesh. And this is exactly what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus and then says to Nicodemus, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't know these things? We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Why is this so basic? Why does he assume that Nicodemus should know this Christianity 101, this this Bible for beginners? Well, Jesus assumes that as a teacher of Israel, uh, Nicodemus knows his Old Testament. And Jesus is really using the language from two Old Testament books. He's using the language from uh, Ezekiel 36. And the context in Ezekiel 36 is that God's people are sinful and rebellious against him. They are living in idolatry and they're not following him. And they are going to be disciplined by going into exile because they have hearts of stone that will not follow God. And yet, the Lord says this, in the midst of your sinful rebellion, in the midst of your refusal to obey me, here's what I will do. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Uh, Jesus assumes that Nicodemus, as a teacher of the Old Testament, has heard this story about how sinful, rebellious people can't obey God unless God shows up and changes their hearts, opens their spiritual eyes, and puts his Holy Spirit in them. But Jesus also references the very next chapter, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 is an even more famous story where Ezekiel, the prophet, is shown by God this valley. And in this valley, there's bones. It's full of human bones. And they're not just any bones, they're dry bones. Like they've been there for a while. Whatever happened in this valley happened a while back. And there is no life throughout the valley. And the Lord asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel looks out at all the death and all the bones and all the non-sense of life and says, you know, Lord, (laughs) I don't see it, but you know. And then the Lord says to Ezekiel, well, prophesy to these bones that they will connect that ligaments and things will come together and and draw these bones and make bodies. And Ezekiel does. And and the bones come together and skin forms on the bones and, and they become bodies laying there, still lifeless. But Ezekiel has obeyed the Lord and all of a sudden these bones have become bodies. And then the Lord says to Ezekiel, now prophesy to the breath. In Hebrew, the ruach, which means the breath or the wind or the spirit. Prophesy to the spirit and say, 
breathe into these slain that they may live. And Ezekiel does. Ezekiel prophesies and this wind begins to rattle through the valley. And it ruptures into the body and breathes life into these lifeless bodies so that they stand up and are all of a sudden have gone from body from bones to bodies to a vast army of people standing on their feet. But even as they stand, the bones and the bodies seem to say, we're dead. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, prophesy to this vast army that used to be bones, then was bodies, and now is standing on their feet with life. Prophesy to them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And this is one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you don't know these things? Haven't you read Ezekiel 36 and 37? Don't you know that dead hearts need new hearts? Don't you know that spiritually lifeless bodies need the the Spirit of God to come and bring them life? Don't you know? Don't you know about the spiritual miracle of regeneration? That it was prophesied to Israel hundreds of years ago. Don't you know? This is God 101. This is Bible for beginners, Nicodemus. Well, what happens when you and I know? What happens when you and I know about the spiritual miracle of regeneration? If Jesus is telling Nicodemus, who's a leader of Israel, that he should know, you and I should know. When we know about the spiritual miracle of generation, we will boldly share our faith. We will boldly share our faith in Jesus. And here's why. You and I are called to offer words of hope and live a righteous life as an example for other people that they might see the Lord Jesus. But you and I do not do that perfectly, and sometimes we don't even do that well. But people coming to know the Lord Jesus isn't primarily occurring through your actions or through your words, but through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit on dead hearts. And what that means is it's not up to you to say the exact right thing to someone who doesn't believe. It's not up to you to live a perfect life that someone might come to know the Lord. It's up to the Holy Spirit to breathe life into a dead heart that their spiritual blinders might fall off. So share your faith boldly. It's not up to you. But then secondly, as we do that, it will produce in us a deep humility as Christians. A deep humility as Christians because Christianity first and foremost was not a decision by you, but a resurrection in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit made the first move to revive your heart from the dead. You know, what To use the spiritual CPR metaphor, if someone has the paddles put on them uh, by a hospital worker and they're brought back to life, the first thing they they don't do is stand up and go, I'm glad I came back from the dead. I'm glad I did that. Everyone else should do that as well. No, they say, thank God that someone brought me back from the dead. The power is outside of me, but it came into me through the work of another. Too often, you, you and I as Christians 
grow arrogant that we have made the right decision by following Jesus. But the humility comes from going, God resurrected my dead, rebellious heart of stone and breathed new life into me. And if our faith starts that way, where is the room for us to be arrogant as followers of Jesus? At the same time, at the same time, regeneration gives us a deep confidence in God. It gives us a deep confidence of God in God. You know, a lot of times Christians, when they experience their own selfishness or they see their rebellion against God, they will say something like this, God, give me a new heart. That's a prayer that's not biblical. And here's why. You have a new heart. You have a new heart. The reason that you see your selfishness, the reason that you're aware of your rebellion is because God has put a new heart in you by the power of the Spirit, a heart that hates your selfishness, a heart that hates your rebellion. The very reason you're aware of your sin is because you have a new heart that desperately wants to follow God. So be confident. If you are a Christian, it is a spiritual miracle. You have had a new heart put in you by the power of the Spirit. And the fact that you hate your sin is evidence of that. So ask God to help you change your attitude. Ask, your, ask God to help you live selflessly and follow him more fervently. Because he's so committed to you, he gave you a new heart. But I think it also helps us understand the Holy Spirit's work in us. Spiritual regeneration, the miracle of spiritual regeneration, helps us understand the Holy Spirit's work in us. Uh, a lot of times we get emotional expression confused with spiritual transformation. In other words, we say if the Spirit's working in someone, it must emotionally look like them expressing themselves in this way or not expressing themselves in this way. And we put a lot of weight on their emotions rather than the Spirit's transformation. You can have emotional expression and miss spiritual transformation. But at the same time, Regeneration is not merely getting your theological ducks in a row. Like when God turns the light bulb on, it's not because all your thoughts now are in order. You've been given a new heart. And by a new heart, what that means is the core of your thinking and your will and your emotions has been completely changed. And so while emotional expression doesn't equal spiritual transformation, spiritual transformation will affect your emotions because it changes everything. You'll grieve about new things. You'll rejoice about new things because you have been spiritually transformed. Have you? Has the Holy Spirit of God come and regenerated your dead heart? Has he broken through? Has the light bulb gone on? Has the scales from your eyes fallen? Have you been found? Well, the greatest change that will happen when you are regenerated is you will see Jesus differently. The greatest change that will happen is that you will see Jesus with new 
eyes of faith. Daryl Johnson says, when you're born from above by the Spirit, Jesus is the only thing that matters. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus leads us into this. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is referring to a story in the book of Numbers where the people of Israel were out in the desert and they were rebelling against Moses as their leader from God and grumbling against God himself. And God sent poisonous snakes out among the people to bite the people and poison them for their rebellion. And all the people are going crazy because there's these snakes running around and, and poisoning their body. But God commands Moses and says, form a bronze serpent. Form, form a serpent out of bronze and, and put that serpent on a pole and then lift the pole up and tell the people that if they look up, if they look up to the top of the pole, to that bronze serpent at the top of the pole, and they look with eyes of faith, they will be healed. The poison subdued. Their lives renewed. If they look with eyes of faith at the serpent, they will be saved. Just as Israel was judged for their sin, you and I are separated from God by our sin. But just as the bronze serpent was raised up, so Jesus Christ was raised up on the cross. And just as those who looked to the serpent in faith were saved, so those of us who look to Jesus dying in our place on the cross are given new life and salvation. The greatest change that happens in regeneration is that we see Jesus with fresh eyes. Fresh eyes of faith. Fresh eyes that don't just see him as another spiritual figure, but rather the crux of God's love for you and me as broken sinners with dead hearts. That's where we come to the most famous verse. Verse 16 and 17, For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who what? Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When you are regenerated, you will see Jesus differently, and Jesus will become your greatest hope and your only hope. And you will believe. You will believe. You can resist, but you will believe. You will believe. You will see your sin differently. You will see God's anger against sin differently, and you will look to Jesus and say, he is my only hope. In verse 18, Jesus says, anyone who believes in him, he's talking about himself, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. When the lights go on in your heart and you realize that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness, you believe because Jesus is your only hope. Jesus took the wrath of God on himself when he was lifted up on the cross so that you, by believing, might have life and salvation through faith in him. 
Is it happening to you? Has it happened to you? Is it happening to you? It seems to be happening to Nicodemus throughout the book of John. I mean, Jesus finds Nicodemus looking for him in the dark, and it seems that even through this experience about talking about what the Spirit does, that Nicodemus' lights are beginning to go on. Jesus doesn't tell Nicodemus, here's the 10 steps you need to do. It's more as if Jesus tells Nicodemus what's happening to him. That his heart is being made alive. And we see throughout the book of John that Nicodemus is believing. In this first time we see him, he's creeping through the night searching. The next time we see him, rather than being ashamed of going to Jesus, he stands up for Jesus publicly amongst the other religious leaders and defends Jesus because he's believing. And then at great risk to himself, after Jesus is lifted up on the cross and then his body is taken down, Nicodemus comes to Jesus with perfumes to treat his body for burial. The one who was just convicted as a criminal, Nicodemus is drawn to with eyes of faith because he believes. When you're born from above by the Spirit, Jesus is the only thing that matters. It's happening to Nicodemus. It's happened to him. The Holy Spirit has breathed new life in him. Has it happened to you? Has it happened in you? Is it happening even now this morning? Maybe you're seeing your life differently. Maybe the way that you evaluate what's good and bad and who God is, is changing even now as we're talking about the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Lord has chosen this moment to make the lights come on and the blinders fall off and give you a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. And you're experiencing changes that you you can't explain, but you're coming alive to God in a brand new way. Maybe you've been looking for God, but in this moment, God has found you. What do you do? You look to Jesus, and you believe. You look to Jesus, lifted up on the cross for you, and you believe. You put your trust in him. You give him your life, and you believe that what he has done on the cross is enough to satisfy God's wrath against sin And you rest in the fact that you have been found. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the great shepherd of sheep. You are the one who goes and looks for the lost. We thank you that us becoming people of faith wasn't primarily about our decision, but about your commitment to resurrection in us. And so now we can boldly say, if that's happening among us, we can call people to believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit's continued work in us. And so we pray, even now, that the Spirit would work. The Spirit would bring fresh life in our congregation. That the Spirit would open eyes for people who did not yet see Jesus. And that even this morning new people might come to faith in him. And all God's people said,
Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.